Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Conversation the Naked Leadership podcast. My name is Chad. In this episode, I'm with Adrian Kaler. This is the fifth installment of our Frustrated Founders segment. Uh, we've done five episodes on this so far, and this one is called Riding the Elephant. Yes, that's right. Riding the Elephant, a term coined so brilliantly by Adrian. And uh, we're going to discuss so many things. Amongst them is, you know, the conversations that you're not having with your team are actually running the team. They're determining the profit, uh, the production, and the relationship that you have with each other. So we dive deep into this in this conversation. I can't wait for you to have a listen. Let's go. Welcome back to the conversation. My name is Chad. I'm here with Adrian. And this is, again, our fifth installment in this series, the Frustrated Founders series. And uh, this one we're calling Ride the Elephant. Uh, Adrian, how did you come up with Ride the Elephant? Uh, Well, you know, it came out of, as a a lot of my work, uh, coaching work with execs and founders, and um, I learned about the work as the work's happening. So some of the some of the best, the most effective frameworks and tools uh, that I use now with clients, I actually created or was created or just happened uh, in, in a previous conversation with another client. Right. And so, so the work kind of develops itself over time. So, I mean, riding the elephant. You know, people talk. I mean, there's the there's the, uh, you know, the cliche of, oh, hey, there's the elephant in the room that everybody knows about. Oh, there's an elephant in the room, which people talk about they, they talk about talking about it right it's like oh hey there's a thing and actually we usually work around even just this morning i got a text from somebody saying hey when i talk to this person what am i not supposed to talk about um you know so we're used to avoiding things and then you know most of us uh if we've been avoiding something for a long time uh they uh, we feel proud of ourselves for actually bringing it up and that's usually a heroic act. If we've been avoiding it for a long time, bringing it up is actually a big deal. My work is with tenacious leaders. So they don't, we don't get to settle for that. Right. Cause they, they're leading. So they, it's not enough to bring up the elephant or to point out the elephant in the room. Their, their job is to deal with what's at hand. Right. So, and if you've got an elephant in the room, I mean, even the analogy itself is telling right in a small room, there's a big elephant. And so what's the only the only right response for somebody that's willing that wants to own their reality and own the culture of the team and own the results of the team and own their contribution to the quality of the relationships? The only thing you can do to an elephant is to jump on that mofo and ride it and tell it what to do. Mm -hmm. So in a conversation at some point, I don't even know who it was with at this point. I just it, it went something like this, you know, hey, well, we need to talk about that. And I said, no, 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 you don't need to like see the elephant. You need to ride that mofo <laughs> with a full expletive because, you know, as the leader, you need to now navigate the conversation um, for lots of reasons that maybe we can get into. But the um, anyway, so that that's how it came up. It's like, hey, if you're going to own it, if you're going to be there, like uh, uh, any conversation, any conversations. We say it like this when we talk about teams, or I say it to a lot of potential clients and new clients. It's, hey, the conversations you're not having are most likely the ones that are running the team. The conversations you're not having, and these are the elephants, the conversations you're not having are the ones that are probably running the team because you spend a lot of energy um, avoiding them. And you spend a lot of time avoiding the people that represent those conversations. You spend a lot of time crafting a meeting around making sure you don't talk about that. And spend a lot of time, you know, uh, when somebody else brings something up, you divert divert the conversation or we don't have time for that right now. And there's like a, there's a bank of things we don't talk about. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I want to go first is this yeah. idea of the conversation that we're not having running the team. I think it's so interesting as you talk about the ride, the elephant, and it's not, it's not enough just to point out the elephant in the room. I also right. think about like the, the, the age old, uh, tale of the emperor's clothes or the emperor's mm-hmm. new clothes. Right. And yeah. I think about the kid that's like, Hey, he's not wearing anything. And everybody else is prepared, like pretending that 
the emperor's clothes or new clothes are beautiful, right? And and nobody's willing to stand up except for the the kid. Well, that's I mean that's only part of the story, hmm. right? Now what? Now the conversation to be had or the elephant to ride, you know, to 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 apply it to this is that why did the emperor think he could pull one over on us, or at least why did he think he could? You know, why why did he? It's a much bigger conversation now. Right. And it's something that we need to to talk about and figure out. And is that the kind of leader that we want to be led by? And uh, what does he think of us as people that he's leading that we would just go along with this thing? And, you know, there's so many, there's like so many different things, but I just think about that. Like, yeah. yes, that's great that somebody identified the elephant and good for you. Pat on the back. You brought it up. Now right. what? Right. And that's really what I think it's that now what that we're diving into. Uh, I also wanted I failed to mention right at the top of this conversation because I wanted to get into it so quick is that Dan's not with us because he is celebrating his 40th anniversary with his wife on an extended road trip and uh, having the time of their life. We get little bits and pieces of him fly fishing and hiking. And so anyway, I just wanted to I wanted to take a moment in honor that milestone for them man that's no huge. kidding no kidding yeah and uh eileen's actually been on the podcast so if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that episode you should go back eileen is dan's wife and one of the partners in our in our uh, organization take new ground and that episode is on fire so uh con- huge congratulations to dan and eileen and uh, we're so grateful for them and and happy for them yep Anyway, so let's dive into this. So when you talk about the conversations we're not having are running the team, I know that I use that line. I got it from you. I use it with my clients as well. Yeah. And uh, it's usually pretty eye-opening for them, right? Yeah. What is it that leaders are making up about those conversations that are not true? Like, why does a leader think that they can ha- there, there can be conversations that everybody knows they're not being had? but yeah. still go on in a healthy, like quote unquote healthy way with go on with business without having these types of conversations. Why, where does that come from? Like, why do we think we can just continue on without having these conversations? Yeah. Well, good question. I mean, I, I, uh, and I, it's interesting you bring up the emperor. It has no clothes analogy. I, I think people uh, we would be, uh, we think it'd be really convenient if other people didn't notice the things that we notice, um, you know, we know, I mean, I'm, I'm always thinking a lot about the angst of a leader, right? The, the, the challenge of a leader, the stress of a leader. And, I, and part of this is the contribution to that. I mean, there's lots of reasons to be angsty and to be have stress and have anxiety. And part of that, you just sign up. It's part of the deal. And then part of it's created, right? People mm-hmm. you generate angst by what you do and what you don't do. And part of this conversation is you generate angst by what you say and what you're not willing to say. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I connect with the angst of the leader. And a lot of times we wish I do, even in my own life, leading my own life and being a leader of this company. Um, you know, there, there are whenever there are times in my life when I don't want to have a conversation. And then the reasons why I make up that I can't have the conversation or don't want to have the conversation or the conversation is not worth it or and usually a part of that is is that I think that I'm the only one having the conversation because mm. a lot of, I mean, this is, this is where I, uh, a, a, a leader's unwillingness to, ha- to, to courageously engage the conversation that's called for mm-hmm. uh, is a detriment to their reputation is a detriment to their viewed uh, integrity uh, for the most part. I would like anybody, anybody listening to this as a leader, just to entertain that for a second. Like if, if, if there were, if there are conversations that I'm avoiding, that is actually losing credibility on my team, what I want to know. Mm. And I say, there's tons of them. There's probably many more than you feel comfortable acknowledging. Um, and, but now there are reasons why you're not having the conversations. I said, avoid, you wouldn't say it that way. Probably. You would say, not enough time. Yeah. Uh, there's not enough time to have these conversations. That's an easy one to go to. Or it's not a big enough priority right now. Now, these are just labels. Labels, I mean, these are reasons why we don't. Or we um, don't have a solution. 
don't have a solution. Yep, that's right. Um, you know, those are kind of the easier ones, right? Those are like external uh, reasons, reasons I'm not having it that I can, I can uh, point to something else. Uh, but I, I want to point out to leaders that we're working with, it's like, well, what are the actually the internal ones? Where are the juicy ones? What are the other ones that I'd rather not say out loud? Oh, I can't control the situation. I don't want to start a conversation I can't control. That's a good one. And a worthy yeah. concern, by the way. Right. It comes off like a fear. But underneath that fear is some concern. Right. Um, or like, you know, sometimes instead of sharing that, we'll say, oh, these people, what's wrong with this person? What that's their issue. I don't want to pander to this person. I don't want to let this person um, have undue influence or have authority. So I'm not going to bring this up. Or continue to waste our resources like time and money. Like time and money. I can't afford to lose them. Yes. You know, uh, Frank is wonderful uh, 80% of the time. And I'll just tolerate, you know, the 20%. You know? It's that it's that production. Um, we we had a conversation about this on the podcast, but uh, I can't remember the other term we use for it. But like, it's not enough to have somebody on the team that's productive. Mm. They we we're also looking at how do they interact in the system. Yeah. Right, and yeah. and so it's easy to it's easy to uh, justify not having the conversation if the person is quote unquote productive, right. You know, yeah. but everybody avoids them. Nobody wants to talk to them. You know, that every, every project they're on turns into an argument or a disc, you know, whatever it is like they're, they're productive, but they're not a team player. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we, yeah, that's great. Cause we, we justify by turning people into machines or widgets. Yeah. Like that's like, it's like, okay, hold on. Well, he does produce X, Y, Z. So I'll just focus on that. Or he does bring in X amount per quarter, you know, or he does great work, quote unquote. And we won't, and this is, this is what, this is what uh, it makes us passionate about it is that the, it, when, when you're not riding the elephant, when you're not willing to have the conversation or direct the conversation, um, all you must do then is justify why the pain isn't bad enough. Because if you don't want to have the conversation, you're committed to not having the conversation, you're committed to not solving the issue, then you got to keep coming up with reasons why it's not bad enough to have it. Does that make sure. sense? Sure. Yeah. Right? You know, so it's like, like you gotta, the pain of the conversation is greater than the whatever you're dealing with, your chronic right. complaint. So you got to become progressively blind, essentially. Yeah. Yet most leaders that I've worked with, they're they're in that position, making up that the conversation is more painful. Yet how much time and energy are they spending talking with me yeah. and in that with themselves and sometimes with their executive team about yeah. the problem? Right. That's right. And it's it's sometimes it's a simple for me in conversation and coaching context, it's simple showing them how much pain they're actually, how much suffering they're actually experiencing by not having the conversation. That's right. That's right. Yeah. They don't count that cost usually because if you did, then you have to like, you know, go be brave and have the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I get it. This is, I mean, this is everybody in this. This is just human. Human 101 is I'll take the least amount of pain possible, please. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that it's that old the first time I heard it, it was like a kick in the hello, the um, the old kicker guard quote of like uh, people find a level of despair that's tolerable and call it happiness. Yeah. And most of these conversations that we're talking about right here. And if you're listening to this and you run an organization, you know which ones we're talking about for yourself. Um, those the. Uh, you know, most of us have all we've all done this. Mm -hmm. We've all spent a lot of time avoiding and we all know the pain of avoiding. There is pain in avoiding. And we know we just would rather not have, for as long as you can, not have the conversation. And my point earlier was going to be, if you spend your time trying to justify why it's not that bad, then you really miss out forever, miss out on how good it could get. Mm. Right? Because you've spent time just trying to make it okay instead of, if, we, if I pick on, keep picking on this fictional Frank type dude, 
let's say 80% he kicks ass, 20% he's a mess. And he leaves, you know, we've all got people in our organization. He's a harsh guy, shuts people down. People don't like working with him. And, and he's pretty blind to it. Or he just doesn't care about it. He might be arrogant or whatever. And so just going to let him. That's just Frank. That's Frank being Frank. Well, you actually have to give up on Frank in order to have that type of relationship with Frank. Yeah. You've just decided you've, you've put him in a box and decided he must stay that way, or he's just going to stay that way um, because you're unwilling to have the conversation about what's possible for Frank, let alone what's possible for a new version of Frank inside the context of work and how much of a resource he is now and how exponentially huge that could be. If he actually decided to be less, whatever the judgment is about Frank, like you got to give up on all that possibility for Frank. Um, and in order to keep the Frank you got, because you're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Yeah, that's right. And that when you talk about giving up on people or, or how this starts to show up in the organization, my thoughts go to the running the team part of the phrase that we're talking about. Yeah. What is the trickle down effect? I mean, if you're a CEO, founder, leader of a good size organization and you have multiple le levels of leadership underneath you right. and the, the levels of leadership directly underneath you that report to you that are in meetings with you. And if you're having conversation or if you're not having conversations with them that are, that are, present and everybody knows they're present whether you know it or not what does that do for the rest of the organization then how are they interacting with their teams what are you giving them permission to do so if you're thinking to yourself as a founder or ceo or leader why aren't they taking care of that problem i see that problem yet you're not having conversations with your team yeah like hello <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do you see that? <laughs> yeah. There are um it just happened I uh I've got I've got a client and uh she's uh a high-end creative at a really big company. And um we were having a conversation um about how the her meeting of her peers and her boss, who's a top leader at a big company. Um the meeting of, among her peers are brutal. They're terrible. They're not inspired. There's no joy in them, really. But it's ironic that she's being told to run really joyous, engaged, energetic meetings. And she's feeling this tension and she's noting the, I don't know, hypocrisy um, that's there. And, you know, my work with her is to, hey, go have the conversation. Bring it up. There's a, there's a conversation, you know, now, like the die is cast, you know, now that you know, if, cause if you know something, you notice something and you, and you don't want to talk about it, you can't complain about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, we naturally as leaders, when we all know this and it's an unfortunate truth is that we're always setting the permissions of the company. You know, what we do is the example and the great stuff we do is the example and the bad stuff we do is the example. And we get away with things. Um, a lot of our what we do is we just set the bar, you know. So uh, being willing to own the trickle down effect of that is really, you know, what's needed for most leaders to do. We'd rather that not be true, you know. We'd rather have be entitled to kind of having rules that apply to us only. And you do that at your own peril because if you've hired smart people, they are going to talk about it, and they do. I mean, some organizations we, we work with, um, some of them I coach mul multiple layers in the organization. Some of them um, I don't, but the, the rest of the team does. And we hear back all the time. So one, one uh, anyway, so sometimes when I'm coaching the top leaders, I hear feedback from the other, from the other people on the leadership team via the other coaches, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the distinction between the story from the top leader and the story from the ground is pretty, is pretty distinct. So I get to go and explore those conversations and what might be happening that they're not, that they don't want to talk about. Um, and, you know, then that's part of the big gift of having sets of eyes uh, at multiple layers, multiple levels in the organization is you get to account for the conversations that are happening there. Um, and I guess so what occurs to me right now is even I'm talking about this um, there's a price to be paid to be aware of what's happening in your organization. There is a price. 
Like if you actually want to know what's happening below you, want to know the impact that you're having. Um, and that's why most people don't ask. Yeah. When you say there's a price, what yeah. comes up for me is there's an energy expenditure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it, there is <clears throat> there is something that has to be paid uh, or 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 generated to yeah. be able to do this. Yeah. And we're naturally in energy preservation mode. Yeah. Like how can I preserve the most energy and get what I want? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the um because there's that there's that aspect to it. Um, how do I preserve the most energy and still get what I want? And I'm also thinking price to be paid because that's that's for sure true. And I'm aware of the I, I'm aware of you know when I, humility is costly, at least to my mind. Mm-hmm. You know I don't want uh, it it. <laughs> I spend way too much time wanting to look good in my own eyes. I'll say it that way. Yeah. You know, and that's a big price to be paid. If I were to actually get the feedback, I would, you know, I would uh, step out and, and my ego would be crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us spend a lot of time preserving our ego, our own, how we look in our own eyes. So there's a price to be paid of actually getting news that doesn't agree with my own view of myself. Yeah. That, I mean, that I think is what is at least one of the deeper conversations that's like one of the, like the undercurrents of this conversation. Um, about why people avoid it, why people don't want to go have the conversation, why people don't want to disrupt, why people don't want feedback is that, you know, if I got feedback, it wouldn't agree with my own view of myself. And I'd rather have a self-preserved view, even if it's a fantasy. Mm -hmm. So that when I think of price to be paid like that, um, and if, you know, if you want to be that aware, uh, you know, the long look in the mirror, is going is going to be costly. Meaning like, I'm, oh, sh- because I've been av- like, if you really wondered for just a second, because I'm avoiding this conversation, because I'm tolerating this behavior, because, you know, fill in the book, there's this breakdown that I won't talk about. How much are we paying? How much time? How much energy? How many conversations aren't we having? How what's the effect on the meetings? Who can't we talk to now? And just wonder about that for a second. I mean, that's it's pretty large. And if you can't find, if you don't, aren't aware, then you are, and, and you're brave, you ought to just go ask and you'll find out how much people are talking about the thing. Yeah. Behind there, your back. There's an interesting experience that I had that I worked for an organization. I was actually in-house with the organization and it was sizable. It was about 160 employees. So a couple levels of leadership in the organization. And I, something interesting that I noticed was that there was this chronic complaint for the organization that they didn't have the talent that they wanted. Right. Right. And turnover was high and they did, they did not have the talent that they needed to provide the product that they said they were going to provide. They just didn't have them. And when anybody, when any of that talent snuck in to the organization, it seemed like they were back out the door almost as quickly as they were in. Right. And, and, you know, it was this, it was this complaint along um, amongst the upper leadership. And uh, I was privy to, to the top meetings inside the organization. I was, I was involved in them. And it it was an interesting observation for me to see that um, they didn't get that unintentionally they were building teams of talent who would go along with the bullshit that they yeah. were creating. Yes. That the the problem of not having the talent that they needed was a self-perpetuating problem because of the culture they were creating. Yes. They were feeding bullshit to the people. Yes. And the, only the people who would take bullshit would stay. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm thinking about an example I've got right now. Um, working with a client and she is of the top brass at this company. Um, not the CEO. She's pretty, she can be pretty brash uh, and pretty harsh and ran pretty much ran the whole company. 
and her team was frustrated with her and her attitude and how she, quote unquote, how she treated them. Mm-hmm. And she'd gotten consistent marks in HR because of that. Uh, and the CEO, the CEO, so that was the conversation right before we started working together. Uh, the CEO removed her from having any contact with this team, mm. so put her on an island because she's brilliant and she runs the company, but she quote unquote, you know, isn't good with people, which I think is very much not true. But what he's done is, this is your point. What he's done is, has told these people that want to not like her, that if you complain enough, you get what you want. <laughs> you get to work alone. You get to work alone. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, yeah, and you can you can remove your boss if you file. Literally, they all like I think seven or nine of them all filed an HR complaint on the same day. Like it was beautifully orchestrated, the whole shebang, right. you know. And I we want to oust our boss. And then the CEO said, "Okay, cool, all right, good." Um, and there's you know there's a justification for some, even that as a mediocre. I mean, and then they didn't they didn't have any inter- intervening conversation. No, like sit down as a team and her to work it out. Right. So welcome to the elephant. That yeah. is costly. Holy cow. How much time and energy now there is to make sure that she doesn't offend them anymore or that they're not offended anymore. Yeah. And this, this, I mean, this is this happens. Your own version. Of, I mean, the listeners, for you know, your own version of this is happening all the time. Are all the workarounds because we aren't having a conversation? Yeah. And that's that's I'll be willing to bet that's not the only place in this company that that sort of behavior has been allowed. No. <laughs> I only work with this one performer and she's really great. I wish I keep angling, trying to get an opportunity into the, the organization, into the organization. I, I, I'm odd yep. in the sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm odd in the sense that it's like, Ooh, this seems really complicated and messy. Let me get in there. You know, it's like, get me in there, get me in there. So yeah, you're, you're like the uh, fourth quarter, 10 seconds to go and you're the guy that wants to be on the field, you know, or you're down, you know, you're down six and you're the guy that wants to be on the field as a commitment. You know, I mean, listen, I'm a I can be a coward just like anybody. Right. As a, but as a commitment, I, I know that's my commitment as a coach is to go stand in the moments. Most people want to flee from. Yep. That's part of my commitment is I want to be in the mess. I want, I do as a commitment. I want the ball with 10 seconds left, not as a feeling though. My feelings are like, ah, we'll let somebody else go. That's cool. (laughs) Um, yeah i get that yeah as a calling but yeah that's right yeah yeah as a calling you know this is i want and this is uh, this is what i encourage anybody listening to this already what's what we do encourage anybody that works with us is like hey courage is a knob we can turn and it's a practice we can take on and most of these conversations they're they're, the only issue is courage that's Mm -hmm. what i want to put out there is yeah. the only issue is courage, not time, not busy, not uncontrolled, not HR, not blah, blah, not all the reasons we use to justify it. It's a courage issue. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes it's a competency issue, meaning it's right to say, hey, I don't do conflict well. Meaning I haven't made it a practice to do yeah. conflict well. Most people haven't, right? Because we, we'd all rather not have the conversation. We'd rather life go on the way we want it to go on without taking any sacrifice. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't. Why spend time learning something that you hope doesn't happen? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. No, no, it's going to be fine. Well, it's not going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, most people, it's a courage issue and then a competency issue. And that's one of our big commitments of what we work with our teams and our clients to help tune the thinking around the conversation first and then tune the, the speaking of the conversation, tune the listening into the conversation. Um, because most of, quote unquote, conflict conversations are conversations about symptoms, mm-hmm. not about causes. Yeah. And they're not an ownership level conversation. They are a, um, a, you know, output level conversation or they're really psychological, like a feelings based conversation and not a future oriented conversation. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we train our leaders to uh, think distinctly, to then speak distinctly, to listen distinctly, to create the most amount of possibility in what seems like the vacuous conversation or the the dark cave or whatever analogy you want to use like the bad like this 
bad conversation. I have to go have a hard conversation. Well, what if it's not, what if it is rich? It's a rich conversation instead of a hard conversation, but you yeah. got to train yourself. You got to train yourself to be, be, want to be on that battlefield, want to step in when the bullets fly. Um, at least most of us do. I do. Um, people seem, I mean, Ali said to me yesterday or this morning, uh, last night, she said, you never see, cause I was telling her about how I was vulnerable about something. She said, you never seem vulnerable. Um, and I'm vulnerable all the time, like scared all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm good at faking it or moving anyway, uh, or keep moving in despite my vulnerability. But I, I feel that vulnerability all the time. And even I know all the type A leaders that are listening to this, that are running companies, you guys do too. Um, we just don't talk about it that often. Yeah. So, you know, As build, building this culture. It won't exist. Say that. As if we won't, if, if we don't talk about it, it won't exist. It won't exist. That's right. Which is the whole point of this conversation? Which is <laughs> ride right. the elephant, man. Ride the elephant and vulnerability. Right. That's right. That's right. So what's what's possible? Uh, you know, from your experience, maybe examples of people that you've uh, leaders that you've worked with, or or uh, organizations at large, teams, it, it, when they start in a place of not maybe not even acknowledging the elephant or patting themselves on the back for talking about the elephant, but not riding it when they gain the the skills and the courage to actually ride that sucker. Mm-hmm. Um, what's possible for an organization? I mean, right off the top of my head, I start, I think about deep connection on a team. Yep. It's, it's not necessarily agreement, right? You know, but, but at least there is a space uh, of courage to talk about the disagreement. Yeah. I think. Uh, under- yeah. What, what do you think about what, what kind of examples or experiences have you had or seen as people have really embraced this process? Well, I, I think we underestimate the impact of the relational environment at work. Mm-hmm. The impact on us as human beings. Oh, absolutely. Right. And so that's that's what that's what we're pointing to. I mean, we're listen, there obviously we want to get results. Clients want results. We want results for them. We want results for our own company. Like making something happen is the or one of the top points. Mm-hmm. What um usually the road to get there is to build the type of conversation on the senior leadership team for sure and trickle it all the way down. Like, what is the culture of the company? The culture is essentially what are the what are the what are the what is the network of conversations that keep this place moving forward? Uh, or what are the network of conversations that keep this place held back? Like all like all those conversations that are happening or not happening, like positive or negative. That is the quote unquote culture. Mm-hmm. And we underestimate the effect, the impact of culture on our own health and on our own outlook on life and on our own quality of life everywhere else outside of work. So, I mean, what's possible um, is really a whole different experience in life, I would say. I mean, we spend, you know, uh, we spend a third of our life at least working. Um, You know, just generally speaking, we spend a lot, a big percentage of our life working. Um, And if we don't like the people quote unquote, don't like the people we're working with or feel like I'm not represented or feel like work sucks or feel like this place isn't what it used to be or feel like people don't get me or I can't say or I can't. I mean, if work doesn't show up like an opportunity to express myself fully, then there's some kind of pain involved. And I, I don't I mean, I mean, like there's some kind of there's some uh, I mean, so I'm going to say existential angst, but we know when that's happening. Right. There's like, oh, shit, like this isn't. I'm, I'm putting my time in, even if you run the company, I'm just surviving this thing mm-hmm. and I can't trust these people. And that has an effect on our body uh, and our mind, you know, and, and I mean, in our own view of life, you know. So why do I say that? Because we don't usually account for or decide to care about these conversations. That's why we tolerate them. Yeah. So what you're pointing towards is like, how good could it get? Or how have I seen it work? And there's a client right now. We coach seven people in the organization. They're a well-known technology firm. Um, and we, I've been in core conversations between the two top leaders. And they're very bifurcated since I met both of them. Very bifurcated. 
Um, and and are high. Like if they succeed, it revolutionizes a huge aspect of this world. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a game changing idea. Yeah. Uh, and I coached the, the founder of the company who's the CTO. And, um, and we also coach the CEO of the company. I don't coach him. Dan coaches him. We've been in great conversations um, uh, between these two people and both great folks, very distinct. And it spent a lot of time not liking each other, mm -hmm. a lot of time not listening to each other. We've been through some deep conversations on where do we agree? Where are the distinctions? How do we work together despite? How do we reframe what's happening? How do we do all this? And, you know, and, and that work, I mean, now the ease in the conversation, there's never, I mean, you put two passionate people together, two stubborn, passionate people together, you're going to disagree. Yeah. Right. Um, and what if that's not the problem? And what if that's not so damn personal, which is what people happen? It's like, oh, he's the problem. Or if he was, then I could, then I could, whatever those types of stories, instead of saying, oh, no, no, we're here to battle with one another. This is actually how we serve each other. This is how we serve the company. And so their differences can become places to connect instead of their differences or reasons why we'll never be connected. Mm -hmm. That's a perspective issue that isn't naturally in the room are naturally in our heads, in the room between our ears, or, or in the room, literally, when you're having a conversation, because we're out to be, you know, to villainize others naturally. So when there becomes a vision to, hey, let's be with our differences in a way that brings us together. Now, that would be a really uh, uh, crazy idea to people that are listening. How do we be with our differences in a way that brings us together? How do we connect in the disconnection? Because that's possible. And if we start to see, hey, any breakdown that we've got going on is a place to connect. Instead of any breakdown we've got going on is a thing we've got to fix or, or a, a problem that John created or here he does it again. Instead of every breakdown is an opportunity to build a connection and have um, and bring the relationship closer and build trust. That's where... I mean, if a team can own that level of um, of ownership that requires ownership of like a willingness to see, like there's an accounting that's happening there of a um, of a like a, a high level radical transparency that's going on there, um, and really, really advocacy is what we're talking about. Like, where if I'm on a team with you, I'm here to help do everything I can to make you better, and you're on the team with me, you're here to do everything you can to make me better. Mm -hmm support me and what I'm committed to and support the vision for the company and support me kicking ass in my role. And I do that for you too. If that's the vision, which is not the vision for almost every single team I've ever worked with, because we don't talk about that. We don't talk about teaming as advocacy. Yeah. Um, but if that happens and I've seen this happen on teams where I say, I'm going to go have this conversation because I care for this person and I want them I mean, there's like a personal connection and there's a there's a needing, there's an interdependence, right? I need you to kick ass so that we can together kick ass. Mm -hmm. um, when that happens, the frustration goes way down because all of a sudden the point of the conversation has shifted. And now it's about where we're going and it's about who we are with one another as we're going there. And then there's a whole lot more room in the conversation. Mm-hmm a whole lot more willingness to go have it because actually I'm here so that these two things, we get, we get where we say we're looking to get vision, results, money, profit, blah, 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 shareholders. And we're actually want to enjoy the process. Most of us have given up on enjoying work. Yeah. You know, and it's just the toil mm -hmm. and it's just fine. It's okay. And this person, I'm going to hate this person forever. And we work around them. And that makes me sad. Yeah. Because, um, uh, you know, I don't know. We've got one trip around the bases um, yeah. in life. So why settle for that? Yeah. It's interesting as you were talking about um, this idea of connection in the disconnection. Uh, it just occurred to me that if we don't see possibility, in our disconnection. Like if we don't see an opportunity in that to do exactly what you're saying is, is connect with each other through that. That's when 
these conversations that we don't have, that's when they're born. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Because we, we have this disconnection, which is natural. Conflict is a natural mile marker in anything important. Yeah. Um, and, and to that point real quick, if, if you've built a great team, you have suited it for conflict. Yeah. Like you want the conflict because you're, yeah. 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 Different opinions. Yeah, because yeah. then you're just yeah. There's so many reasons for that that we don't need to go into at this at this at this juncture. But yeah. I was just thinking like that's it's interesting. I think it's very valuable to identify where these conversations start um, that we're unwilling to have, and I think it is when we don't see possibility in our disconnection. Right. Like there's something that you and I aren't seeing eye to eye on. There's something that we're disconnected on. You've done something that I don't think you should have done or vice versa. Or you have an idea that I don't, I'm on, not on board with, but I'm not willing to go at bat and say, hey, I, I believe in you. I believe in us. I believe in what we're doing. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Rather, it's much more of a position of like, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I know you, you're not going to budge. You're not going to move. You're always have stupid ideas. You all, you know, all of those sort of things. Like that's where the elephant is born. That's right. That's right. That's interesting. I just like it's like a, a light for me anyway. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I mean, and I mean, if there's a passion for me that leaders, especially in this, you know, this coming culture that we're in, if we get the fact that what's coming to the surface is how people are treated matters. Um, that's just true. Mm -hmm. And there's more elevation of that conversation now. So yeah. if you're going to be a great leader you, in the future, if you're going to sustain, persevere into the next rung of leadership or how we define American leadership, with maybe you can listen to this internationally, but how you define leadership in our culture, you got to be able to do both, get somewhere and do it in a way that pulls people together because people are going to tolerate old behavior less and less. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you've, you're not, if you're not yourself trained and willing to train other people in how to get, how to find the gold in conflict, I mean, people just say, Oh, how to have, how to have conflict. That's fine. And that's usually a lot better than what most people do, which is avoid conflict. That yeah. you find the gold in the conflict, which is what we are advocating for. Yeah, you can actually celebrate it. You can celebrate it. Like, oh, wow. Okay, we're going to have a tough conversation now. And at the end, we're going to be closer and we're going to hate each other for a little while. Ready? <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, you know, there's just so much connection with your point. It's like there's so much connection and possibility if we don't see disconnection as the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the tension to manage. We're going to be disconnected. Mm -hmm. And that's that's true in every single relationship. We've got we know that if you're with a significant other, if you're married or whatever, got some long term girlfriend, uh, boyfriend, whatever, um, there's connection and disconnection and the vacillation in between and what we make up about the other person while we're disconnected and what we make up about the relationship while we're disconnected is really opens up or closes down the possibilities of reconnecting. Period. Let alone being able to leverage the disconnection as being more connected than ever before after the disconnection, which is what's possible. That's right. So, you know, huge passionary for us over here, because this is, I mean, this is the human one-on-one type work. When you put more than one person in a room, there's going to be these things. These, so this is, we want to train folks on how to ride elephants, how to go have the conversation. Um, and there's lots of ways to do it. Um, and there's, there's no perfect way. It's not a tightrope. There are some principles to be owned and kind of get the principles in your bones. And a lot of them are very simple, very um, easy if you're willing to, you know, submit yourself to the process. Um, yeah. But then you can be a ninja. Then you can actually actually be, uh, save so much time and energy. I mean, I was just thinking about what is the weight of a pending conversation? As you're talking, right? As, as, you, as you were just sharing your thing, I was like, what is the weight of a pending conversation? Because that's what you're pointing towards. It's like, okay, all these five things that I can't talk about and probably resign that I'll never get to talk about them with this person or this situation or whatever. But that conversation doesn't go away. I just now hook it to my 
back or on my shirt or wherever I put it in my backpack. It's just the thing I'm going to carry mm-hmm. with me now. And yeah. I hope it goes away. And they're heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and some people live full lives. I mean, some people live an entire life running a company, carrying those things. Some people uh, engage in a marriage or a relationship for the majority of their life, just carrying those things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You were talking about, you know, we, you could celebrate the conflict. I had an opportunity as you know, but I'll share this. Like I had an opportunity this week for the first time to sit down with a couple Yeah. who, uh, they were, and the, the parallels between working with a couple and working with a couple of leaders is, is stark. It's, it's very interesting, but I sat down with them both very, uh, very strong individuals, leaders, uh, here to get shit done in their life. And, um, you know, I, I sat down with both of them and they're both positioned at this point. They're not talking. (laughs) They're so deep in conflict. They're not even talking to each other, sitting next to each other while I'm, while I'm looking at them and, and talking with them. And, and we've got to, and, and I get to me, the weight of the situation is not lost. Right. Like I understand, like this is huge. I love like my, my family is everything for me. Yep. And now we're going to sit down and have a conversation about family. And so the weight is there, um, you know, and they, they're both positioned. And I said to them, I said to them, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> and they both looked at me like I was a, like a, I, I was a, what do you call the person that likes pain or likes the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I explained to them, the reason I'm excited to be here is because I can think it's possible on the other side of this conversation. Right, right. How dynamic and powerful you two are when we are on the other side of this, it's gonna be, if you choose and that's what you want and what you've told me what you want, it's beautiful and it's huge. And that's that's what I think about what we're talking about right now is like, as you look at riding the elephant, there is a level of excitement that can happen if you can see what's possible on the other side. Right. That's right. So up to this point, you know, these five, these past five episodes on the podcast have, have really, we've been talking about a lot of the internal work that you do as a leader um, to prepare for and take care of the frustrations and the loaded conversations and all that kind of stuff that you're having in your organization. Um, Now it's time, as we've talked about in this episode, it's time to go have those conversations, ride the elephant, be real, like don't avoid it any longer. We have a process that's an incredibly powerful process that will help you prepare for the conversation specifically. Um, And then it is a step-by-step outline of how to have these conversations in a productive way that that will uh, break down the defense uh, on both sides. Right. Um, And I'm wondering, Adrian, if you want to just talk just a second about that tool that we have um, because it's, it's going to be forthcoming pretty soon. We'll be talking about it on the podcast as soon as it's launched, but I don't want to miss this opportunity to point out, um, that, you know, we have this tool and every leader should have it in their quiver. Yeah. I mean, I was saying earlier, it's a, there's a courage issue and there's a competency issue. Mm. And this, the tool is crafted to build both. Uh, and 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 we start with the competency side of it, right? So this is called the blueprint for mastering conflict. Mm-hmm. The blueprint for mastering conflict. Um, nothing will replace the need for courage uh, or for bravery, but um, feeling more competent, feeling more ready will help. We know that, right? So this is a readiness tool. And... Um, you know, we've spent a lot of time on it. The whole team has spent a lot of time on it and honing it and, and making sure that it's, it's, it's uh, easily absorptive, uh, that's ready to be used immediately, ready to be um, whatever the situation is. You can plug these conversations in, plug these questions in, plug these reflection exercises in. It's going to get things clear for you right away and then help you. The goal for the first half of, of the blueprint is to make sure you're straight, make sure you're, you've got your, um, your side of the street, if you will, 
crystal clear on mm-hmm. what, working with all this so that then I can actually go invite the other person into the conversation in a way that's both really clear and future oriented and really generous and non-relenting. Like it's not, you don't, it's not a compromise conversation. This is a, this is how, you know, we're going to deal with what's really here and it might be really bad. We're going to deal with that in a way towards the future we both want. Um, and there's a way to walk out. I, here's what I know is if you walk through this process, we've lined out you, pe- both sides are going to feel really understood and going to be they will be really accountable for the breakdown that's happening. And they'll be very energized to work together to move forward. Um, and if they're not, that will be clear. And then it's time to have other tougher conversations. Mm hmm. Um, but it is a clearinghouse type combo. Like if you get really good at this, if you get really good at using this tool and get this tool in your bones, I promise you, it's going to save you so many hours of frustration. It is actually going to be, uh, if you could teach it inside your organization, it's going to save so many hours and many more resource and, and stress and anxiety and, and end of the day. Um, so it's applicable. It's a, you know, uh, you can apply it right away. Uh, no matter what you're going through, and it's a confidence builder. So yeah. if if you're near the top of the organization, uh, I'll just say you need this in your bones. If you, this will be a superpower for you because most people don't do this, yeah. so aren't willing to have these types of conversations. Yeah, and well, pay the price, and their team pays the price for it. So, blueprint for mastering conflict. Um, my invitation to all of you is to you know become a ninja at this stuff. Yeah, information for you to have access to that is forthcoming really, really soon. So uh, stay tuned for that. So thanks, man. This has been great. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I know we missed missed the big lug on this. I know. I miss Dan. I'm going to hope they're having a great time up in Idaho. Yeah, me too. Um, But thanks, man. Thanks for the conversation. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Bye, Bye, everybody. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. Also, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing this podcast with the people in your life that are looking for a new way to lead and to relate to others. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.